Hello and welcome to episode 187 of G.I. Joburg, the podcast, now with audience members. My name is Stephen. I'm joined by Paul. Hey, Paul. Hey. And in the mix, we got the boys. It's Matthew. We got Matt, we got Gary, and we got Bot joining us as an iStudio audience. Yay! You guys are welcome to say hello if you want to. Yo, Joburg! Yeah, that's what I like to hear. Cool, and we've set up for you guys as well, so I'm going to pop you guys back into the deck, and then we're going to get into the madness that is G.I. Joe Book 187. It's a pretty packed agenda, let me just tell ya. Uh, We're going to talk about, well, the news, of which there's one enormous bombshell I'm dying to get Paul's opinion on, because we actually don't do too much chatting off air and save everything fresh for the show. (laughs) We are going to talk about happy accidents, which is uh, a topic suggested to us by Kev from Alaska. These are eBay purchases or other purchases where, hey, you were expecting to get one thing, guess what, you got something else. <laughs> and we are also going to do a deep dive into G.I. Joe's Resident Samurai Warrior Budo. Love him, hate him, are you sitting on the fence? Well, G.I. Joe is about to push you one way or another. But first, Paul, as always, what new shit you got kicking around, brother? Oh, I've I got such a cool uh, delivery the other day, and it was such a crazy week. So there's such a nice way to end this week. Um, I uh, picked up a Cobra Trooper, uh, and that was also part of the excitement that was the last episode. And ironically, he... everyone in YouTube climbed in and said that the Trooper is better than the Viper. So exactly. it seems I am in the minority there. <laughs> and. Um, yeah, man, I'm very, very happy to have my very first Cobra Trooper because he arrived. I went to go and pick him up on Saturday. He had actually been ready in the post box, I think, um, on Wednesday. I was just too crazy busy to get to him. And, yeah, I'm so glad. You know, sometimes it's not. It's good to wait, you know, because it's just, oh, it was, it's just been so appreciated. And I've had so much fun with this little guy. And, uh, yeah, so that's, that's my new G.I. Joe acquisition for this week and only acquisition. And it's a goodie. I actually don't want to buy anything else because I don't want to ruin this. You know what I mean? And and you, Steve, what did you pick up? Did you get anything cool this week? Ha, brother. Part two in unveiling the awesome toy box from Gary V, a.k.a. Iron Munger. We are talking the Cobra His Tank. Although, oh. can you call it the Cobra His Tank? I realize that's actually a bit of a redundancy to call it a His Tank. Because the acronym kind of envelops what its, I suppose, role is or what its classification Mm. is. It's a sentry. It's something less than a tank. It's a patrol vehicle or light attack vehicle, um, a high-speed attack vehicle and patrol vehicle. I certainly tried to... (laughs) There you go. Thank you, Paul. (laughs) I certainly wanted to lean into the high-speed angle on the review. Um, Managed to get into the garden and shoot a little... A brief little action sequence and the only the only imperative was to make sure that like there were several shots of this thing moving at such a high speed that the background is just a blur and i think i i think i got that i think um, you got that if nothing yeah. else yeah yeah uh, the retro collection hiss is very 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 good uh it it doesn't have any massive departures from the original uh, in any material way, except for one, 
for some reason, the canopy glass has a slot on it, mm -hmm. which is inexplicable to me. I mean, it was suggested by Steve on Facebook that, not me, <laughs> uh, another Steve, um, that it, uh, it, it could perhaps have to do with the expansion of the plastic um, and, and it giving it a little bit of wiggle room. But I don't know if I buy that. Uh, I certainly didn't see his tank canopies spontaneously cracking because of plastic expansion and contraction. Um, Bart on the chat says that the, the slot is for the fart smell to air out. Oh, uh, yeah, I, I buy that. I'm sure tankers would appreciate not being caught in a completely sealed bubble, particularly after a high protein diet. Must be because they have to do some heavy lifting. Any hooch, uh, there was another suggestion that it was so that you could get speeding tickets slotted into you or for <laughs> the, gun the gunner to pass notes to the driver. <laughs> <laughs> I, I got a theory, um, if, I, if I may. Um, I think it's actually to uh, alleviate the stress on the canopy. Um, so when you open and close it the whole time, it's to prevent the canopy from stressing and then causing cracks um, near the base, you know, where it links into the, the HIS, into the actual but, main unit. But is that a fragile point on the HIS tank? I, I mean, we all know about the cannon pins being the easiest point to break on the classic HIS, mm -hmm. causing the saggy cannon syndrome. But the, the canopy, have you ever seen a canopy snapped at the hinge? I I have seen it happen to other GI Joe vehicles, and that is why that theory sort of came into play, because I know with like even just with my Rattler, I get a little bit well Rattler, uh, my Tiger Rat, and that's a modern era Tiger Rat. I get a bit nervous about opening that canopy, as I do with the Snowcat as well. So, huh. <laughs> so, well, to close the chapter on the retro here's two thumbs up from GI Joe Berg. This is uh, wonderful. I mean, certainly if you can get it at the the re recommended retail price of about 26 or 27 dollars like i i suggested get three um i know Occ <laughs> occam's razor found them on clearance already for 11 bucks and he wow. said he bought like 14. my um, god he's gonna Sorry. give some to his friends but uh, like, okay. even if you even if you just open five uh and keep a couple behind like Give it a couple of years and you will be able to flip them for i'm okay i'm not endorsing being a scalper but <laughs> Sculpt you know, the steve if, in the house <laughs> look if the outlay of whatever it was like 200 dollars uh, is a bit of a shock you are getting a lot of toy for your buck and you can easily make that back in a couple of years not that that's ever my my ploy i'm just saying yeah. it's, it's not it's not insanity to clear out the the clearance aisle of uh, gi joe product i was anyway on on the topic of the hiss before before you close the door on this bad boy i actually mm -hmm. also have one I, I'm sitting at bart's house um and i think i got it for a sweet 20 bucks um oh, which is pretty cool and also there's a small detail i noticed and um Ooh. uh you know that the seat is different inside the new yes HIS? yes correct okay cool i was just because a part of me was like am i seeing things am i now in a parallel universe Mm, not only did they yeah. deepen it, but they also added this sort of um, X pattern, mm. a little little bit of texturing on the back there, which is is a great way of easily differentiating, you know, my pure vin pure vintage from anything that was purpose retooled to uh, mm. to better hold the modern figures. But um, look, the best 
the best explanation for the slot on the canopy that I've heard is it's a very quick and easy visual distinction. Like hmm. you will easily know you're dealing with a, a retro or original. Hmm. Yeah. 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 That's, that's actually a, not a bad theory. Yeah. That's cool. I'm grateful. Well, I, 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 I don't know if I would want to army build these because stickering toys for me is becoming more and more stressful. Like I really obsess over sticker placement down to Welcome like to my world, down to the millimeter and down to the angle. And mm -hmm. it's, I wish I could somehow roll back on my own like OCD. Mm -hmm. I wish I could be a kid again in terms of just like stickering it up and taking it out to play. But I sit there obsessing over each placement. And the worst is, of course, you know, placement that you get right on the one side and then you're trying to duplicate your success on the other because every mm -hmm. tank has a left and a right side. We're not dealing with some chap made soldier force crap that only has stickers on the one side you know mm -hmm. the side facing the consumer, consumer. Uh, <laughs> this is stressful stuff so if i had a fleet of like five of these oh it would take me a day at least <laughs> to get it all right and a lot of anxiety well i mean at least and let's count the win here the the modern era has um, also had that where the stickers facing the customer were on and then the other ones weren't, you had to apply those. And that was oh, kind of I a thing that. with a lot of, yeah. So thank goodness this is like that because at least you're in control of the whole process from the beginning to the end. Can you, you know? hear that? I can, but I don't know what's causing it. It's an ice cream truck. Oh, thank God. It's not on my side. <laughs> oh man. That's interesting. So in Australia, they have, well, no, in South Africa, they've got a guy on a bicycle. <laughs> Actually, we, we have the we van. Don't get as far as, oh, you do? We have oh, a van man. and it plays a song. Ding, 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 ding. <laughs> pretty sure it sounded nothing like that. But yeah, no, okay, I, I, think, I think I can recall that van. Uh, it's been cruising the streets of Joburg since the 70s, I think. Totally. And, and, and it lives in my neighborhood. So <laughs> it's got Heidi painted on it. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, Heidi. Anyways, his tank. Paul, who is your go-to gunner for the his tank? And this can go out to our panel, our live studio audience. Who do you pop in the gunner position on a his tank? Is it a very regal CC? Is it a Cobra Trooper? I've got a third option, uh, but I'll wait for some some responses to roll in first. Paul, what do you say? Ooh, I, I actually, you just kind of nailed it there. I love putting uh, a really cool Regal or Regal looking um, Cobra Commander in, in there. Mm. I just dig it. It just looks cool, um, especially because, like, I have just the one here at the moment, you know, at home in my collection. So it's great to have him up top there, you know, doing what he does. I, I, I like putting that kind of character, like a, a hierarchy kind of dude in there. So Very nice. Commander, yeah. Because... Clearly, your display is more like Cobra on parade as opposed to yeah. like Cobra going into battle. Or, or maybe, maybe we got a situation where Cobra leads from the front. Hey, and also remember, I've only just gotten a vintage Cobra Commander. So now, what's great about my his tank? <laughs> Show him off. I can put him in there, and then when I eventually get my other his tank from Bart, I can put like a bat or something in, in the other one. 
No, that could well, be it seems like the popular option to put named characters in that couple because Matt says Coco Destro Baroness, Bart says three way. Uh, I'm not entirely <laughs> sure if that was in reference to this question or if it's just that I don't know. Bart and Cindy have some company around. <laughs> <laughs> or dinner. MC DJ ACDC says the Baroness, and that is fantastic. Yes, of course. She's got the best color scheme and. She always was kind of a field commander in the early yeah. days. She definitely had the kind of the aggression to lead the attack. Um, Gary V, also Coco and the other hierarchy. Well, I've just stumbled onto how great a snow serpent looks up there. And let's not overlook the fact that like in that gunner's position, you are exposed to the elements. So if you are in even a slightly colder climate, like it's gonna really take a toll on you if you're not wearing some thermals. So, oh. and you check how great the classic Snow Serpent's headgear is. He looks yeah. like he's a tanker. He's got hearing protection. He's got that like old school Soviet style tanker's hat. Yeah. He's got goggles. Oh, it's perfect, man. And, and I mean, it's such a nice color contrast as well. Uh, that is that is true. I dig that. But now you're making me lament the fact that I never bought myself one of those modern era Arctic hisses. I love those things so much with the little bed roll on the side. And oh, I could kick myself for missing one of those. Look, decoing up your hiss to match certain environments is great if you have that kind of expansive collection that you have a selection of hiss tanks and battle android troopers to match whatever environment you're going into. But uh, for my taste, you cannot go wrong with the classic iterations. It's like, mm. we don't care for camouflage. We are Cobra. We are mm. going to intimidate. That's our tactic. I've got two questions for our audience members and for you with regards to this. If you guys could change the canopy glass on the classic kiss, what would you change it to? And... Do you guys have any cool ideas for a variation on the hiss? Doesn't this? I don't necessarily mean like an Arctic hiss. I mean like instead of having the two um, guns, maybe you want to put uh, like a rocket pod or something on there. Do you guys have any cool ideas for that? And by extension, Stephen, have you ever thought of this? Like, what would you change the canopy glass to, and what would you add to the hiss to change its functionality? <laughs> well, we got one whimsical uh, response from Matt, aka Swordsman. He says, put some spinners on it. Well, what Cobra personnel would pimp the his? That's the question I ask you now, Matt. But for my purposes, I would love the gunner to seat deeper into the vehicle. There's certainly enough space down there. Uh, mm -hmm. And it would just allow for an enclosed canopy. You know, give the gunner a little bit of protection from just a, you know, a hiss can be rendered useless on the battlefield by a lowly sniper shot. Like anyone mm. from an elevated position who's able to accurately hit a, a, a moving target uh, will be able to take that gunner out, which is a crying shame to have that kind of Achilles heel. Mm. Uh, I know it gives him great visibility. Visibility is certainly one of the greatest advantages of a hiss. You know, there are very few advantages to having a tank riding high, but that's the one. Uh, that's it. <laughs> uh, but still, put him in, a, in an enclosed cockpit with a little bit of, of protection, and, and that's a, a winning addition in my books. 
Okay, so you would you would pretty much keep it the same, just add like a little glass kind of a little canopy to the gunners section. Okay. But we've got uh, some terrific suggestions coming in the comments thread. Mm. You want to read them out, Paula? I do, yeah. Um so Ryan Sweeney reckons metal canopy and rockets. Uh Bart is uh partial to an armored glass and a bow gun controlled by the driver. I actually quite like that. Or it's a quite bow gun i know i know you like martial arts and stuff but it's not a bow gun buddy <laughs> well i thought it i i saw it as a bow gun because it just that's so like uh what's the word i'm looking for a mad max but okay if it's a bow gun <laughs> um, excellent gary viola reckons smoke the glass and cha uh, change to a larger cannon with a machine gun so I'm guessing maybe something like a howitzer or that kind of thing. Like that's like a heavy hiss. I like that. I'll paint it orange and add a squirt gun. Oh wait, says Gary Apriola. <laughs> Nicely done. I was about to say, make the same joke actually. MCDJ ACDC says with the canopy, he would just uh, put heads up stickers, keep the clear look, folding back doors like the havoc and missiles. Interesting. <clears throat> that's an interesting one uh bot says he's got to run <laughs> matthew is assembling his now cool Outstanding. guys well we had amazing responses to the review video but one that i'd like to isolate now and i know i would normally put this at the end with the letters pages but this is kind of salient at the moment for comes from trevin lane he says that the hiss would never win in a straight fight with a real tank but could take on any joe vehicle that was not a tank or battle bunker in a straight fight it really needed a missile rack to back up her small auto cannons, but could kill a more armored opponent by targeting the treads, sights, or turret ring of the GI Joe armor. The engine mm -hmm. compartment is actually not as easy a target as a lot of folks think, as it has armor plating protecting it and a big chunk of steel. But the exhausts and radiator are a couple of spots on the engine that can't be armored. Cobra really struggled in armored warfare early on in the Joe series. Great video overall. He does go on to say that the cat is a reskinned Mobat and the first proper Cobra tank that he can recall is the Rage tank. I would dispute that. I'm not sure the Rage is a tank, but um, he does also say that other vehicles are recon vehicles or tank destroyers. Good business for Destro selling another vehicle to both sides of the war with the cat through that. Very, very right. enterprising, very in, very in line with uh, Destro's MOS. And, with, um, um, and to close this section off, uh, I'm going to add my opinion, and I just want to just add this last little addition from Matthew. Uh, Matthew Comstock says, uh, guns under the driver that he controls. I'm like, yeah, that's actually very in line with what I was thinking. Uh, a chin gun would be very cool on the classic hiss. Uh, I would also really spring for a red canopy, personally. And um, I like the idea of the guns on the hiss not being um, a single thing, so that I don't just want them to be a machine gun two machine guns or two rocket launchers. I like the idea of it being a machine gun and a rocket launching component. And I don't think adding anti-personnel to a, a his tank would be a bad idea either. So some kind of uh, grenade dispenser or gas dispenser on, on the his, because that would make it even more brutal. It can get in and out of places quickly. If it's going around dispersing tear gas or uh, stuff that's like messes up radars or whatever's, then it's Sky's actually the limit, man. It's a very, exactly. very good platform for a lot of stuff, uh, which they have done over the years. Mm. But hey, man, can't beat that classic black. The last mm. word from Mr. Mr. Lane is a good one. He says that there are a lot of good reasons for Cobra not to invest in proper tanks. 
Tanks are expensive to build and maintain, hard to transport, and require a dedicated training program for both tankers and maintenance troops. Tank destroyers mm -hmm. and recon vehicles can use less specialized parts, require less specialized crew, and can use the same maintenance personnel as the rest of your AFV force. Perfect, perfect, perfect. I also love the idea of Cobra being, you know, able to fight small skirmishes as opposed to large-scale wars. They're a, a hit-and-run force. They're a, a very, very strategic strike force after very specific targets. They use other nations' armies to do their bidding after they incite them to join forces. So they've got mm -hmm. cannon fodder in the form of like the break-apart former Soviet states, stuff like that, where they sow seeds of dissent, they make allies, and those guys have the more conventional armies. Anyways, that's just my conjecture. Let's move the agenda on from new shit to more new shit. <laughs> Paul? No. no. Lady J. Oh. The TV series. Dun, 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 dun. This is what I alluded to earlier when I said that I don't have a gauge on your opinion and I'm dying to get it on air. Let's have it, dude. What do you think? So to, to, to put people into the frame who might not be in the know, Amazon, I think it's Amazon, uh, are looking to do a standalone Lady J series that kind of ties into the, the mythology that will branch from the Snake Eyes movie. Interesting. Very interesting. So like they're trying to, yeah, because they're trying to create their own uh, quote unquote MCU, I suspect, or HCU, Hasbro Universe. <laughs> Hasbro Comics let's, Universe. let's just stick with GICU, please. We, we, we don't need to muck around with the Transformers and the Micronauts. Thank you. Mm. Anyway, so what is my first take on it? Uh, okay, so uh, when I saw that picture and I saw the news, I actually kind of scrolled past it at first. Because I was like, oh, okay, Adriana Paliki, cool, whatever. And then, like, I had to check Facebook or whatever again. And then I saw, oh, wait, hold on. Are they talking about, like, a TV series? Okay, that's cool. That's interesting. Um, does this mean that perhaps if it's coming to Amazon that we might actually get a TV series that might just skirt being R-rated? And I'm not, I'm not like, like, trying to be all nutso here, like, oh, it must be violent. But... Is, is, is there a possibility that this is actually being made for older fans, you know? And so that excites me. That, like, I, and I, I, the speculation ex excites me of what it could be um, more than the fact that it exists right now. Like, if that makes sense. It's like, I'm really loving, like, for example, if you watch the, the Marvel movies, um, as we all have, um, you know, they have different sort of... Um, tiers of the marvel movies there's some that are just like explosive and and fun and great to watch and then there are some that are actually quite you know complex um stories and and are a little bit maybe not as fun for your kids to watch as they maybe are for you um for, uh, and a good example for that in my opinion is dr strange which i think is a fantastic movie it's got a fantastic story but i imagine a kid watching it is like oh you know um so I feel like maybe this show is going to sit sort of in that kind of things, uh, get that kind of spectrum along with shows like maybe WandaVision. Hey, it'd be cool if it was like, you know, touching sides with the boys a little. That would also be cool. But, oh, uh, yeah. Yes. Well, that would definitely take things into a more adult slant. Hmm. And that's Even something if that you can like, do with a TV series as opposed to a movie yeah. where 
you want to appeal to a wide base and you certainly want to get the kids hooked because you want them to go out and buy the damn toys. <laughs> Let's not lose sight of the fact that it is a vehicle to sell toys at the end of the day. True. But with, with the other exciting uh, an announcement that's come out, and I don't know if you've seen this, Steve. I imagine you have. Hang on, hang on. I, I do want to close the chapter on Lady J for a sec. Cool. Or are you, are you leading into that? Because well, I, I, into it, yeah. Yeah. Well, for my part, it, it's it's very misleading that they've really settled on images of Adrian Paliki, uh, because nowhere in the article does it say that she was cast or that there was even talks of her being cast. There is no casting call whatsoever. So it's they're leading with this image of a very attractive young woman who did play the role, but played the role ten years ago. Um, yeah. She she might well not be the Lady J they tap for this one, and I don't know. What's your opinion on on that? I I I'm happy to have a a new cast member. I'm also totally happy to have a new cast member, primarily because, and, and I actually think it would be in Hasbro's best interest to get a new cast member. Not that I think a a Adriana Paliki was bad. I actually liked her. I thought she was. I actually liked Lady J from the Retaliation movie, um, but. I think it wouldn't be in their best interest because if you put her in the movie, then people are immediately, uh, us as fans are, in fact, actually, I can prove it. I didn't give a shit about the news until I saw it the second time round because seeing her, I was like, oh God, what are they talking about now? What's, uh, you know, I was like, has she died? Did she do a stunt? Is she in a new movie? Oh, okay. She's in G.I. Uh, Joe, Lady J series. Wait, hold on. Is she really? Because that's not like a good idea because... That movie may have done well in cinema, but it really didn't do well with the fans. So that's going to just bring up bad memories for a lot of people. A lot of people are going to be like, oh, it's going to be set in the retaliation universe. Uh, uh. And then now that mentioning the Snake Eyes, it's based on the Snake Eyes film, and we don't even know what that is. Uh, so, yeah, I don't know. I'm kind of like, um, I, I kind of don't know what to think, but I think we need a new Lady J. Definitely. I think we need new new cast for, for all of those characters, actually. Um, so that we can have Scarlet back, for example. That would be nice. The, <laughs> the impression I got initially was that finally someone has taken the leap and, and realized the sweet spot of G.I. Joe television, that it doesn't need to have a sprawling a budget and a massive cast. If you narrow the focus to do something interesting with a character who does walk the line of combat soldier and deep cover operative like Lady J. Mm -hmm. And the reason I bring that up is because effectively you're doing G.I. Joe Cobra, the IDW series by Christos Gage and Mike Costa, yeah. uh, but doing a gender swap, a very smart one because- Yeah, so instead of Chuckles, you have Lady J. Yeah, because so, Chuckles yeah. was effectively a nobody in the, the minds of of the, the broad fan base until yeah. G.I. Joe Cobra. And all of a sudden now Chuckles is kind of like a fan favorite. Yeah. And I say effectively the broader fan base because of course, of course, as early as 87, I'm sure people were putting Chuckles as their number one guy. Something about the Hawaiian shirt, the holster and the pistol. He's Magnum that's, PI, dude. <laughs> all you needed. And, and you have been faithful to your man Chuckles and you almost are scornful of people now jumping on the bandwagon. Oh, no. But let me say that Lady J, thanks to the cartoon, the excellent voice acting, uh, the fact that she just always was such a competent soldier and pseudo leader has always had a firm fan following. 
Yeah. And it doesn't hurt that she's easy on the eye too. And let's not forget that by and large, G.I. Joe fans are boys. <laughs> yeah, true. So, so this, I mean, some people are up in arms about uh, having a, a lead female, but it's a recipe that works. It's also 2021. It's I mean, alias, but with G.I. Joe characters. Come yeah, on. Yeah, with actual with, with good writing. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> alias had me captivated for a while, but yeah, damn. two seasons, definitely. Yeah, don't Jennifer go back and rewatch. Don't go back and rewatch. Yeah. No, it's it's very like annoying now if you go back and rewatch it, my word. No, because uh, I just and just coming back to my hopes that they are trying to appeal to the older audience, or should I say the established G.I. Joe fan base. Um, is because May uh, Mayfix have, is it? Yeah, no, not Mayfix, Mezco. Mezco has released an image of a Destro figure. And I know that uh, on some assembly required, uh, Bart, Jim, and myself spoke about this uh, at, uh, at quite length, uh, quite a bit of length, actually. But here's a, a, a small, uh, here's a figurine that's got the budget of, a, it's, it's on a collector's budget, if you know what I mean. It's not like a, this is not a toy that's going to be sold to kids necessarily because it's probably going to be 90 to to $100. And I'm hoping that somehow they want to tie that into the show. Like, I'm not saying that they that they should make Mezco figures of characters from the show. God, no, that's not what I'm saying. But it's more a case of Hasbro are like, okay, we've got this fan base. They're older. They actually love collecting stuff. Let's give them a collector's line of figures. And maybe, you know, and at the same time, let's try and give them a TV show that appeals to their sort of you know, maturity, you know, let's not make it a, a bang pop pow show. Let's make it something that's interesting, you know, that they can well, actually talk to their friends about and get their friends into. The you know? article is very unhelpful and we kind of almost have to invent the details, but the fact that it's getting attention comes as a big surprise and a welcome one. So yeah. it's another case of let's wait and see. Uh, I'll be the first to announce that it stinks if it stinks, but if they do write by it if they've had enough time to marinate and get the right team to write and and direct this then man the, it's exciting like amazon have done some terrific shows to date the boys is amazing and yep, american gods for me yeah so yeah. here we go terrific terrific fan mail incoming hello joburg I've been listening to your podcast for about a year and I'm going through the, them a second time. I just got done listening to episode 37 where you give the substandard sub teams a piece of your mind. Great stuff. Anyways, on to my question. Steve once talked about getting the transportable tactical battle platform at a steal on eBay because it was listed as oil rig. I just had a similar experience where I got a version three ace, the green jumpsuit with red hair with the version 2 helmet, white and green visor, along with the abnormally expensive FAMAS from Dusty version 1, he was sitting in a toy plane. To paraphrase <laughs> the title for brevity, it was listed as Fisher-Price plane with military pilot. Buy it now, $10. What a coup. I felt like I won the lottery. Can you all share a favorite eBay buy where you unexpectedly stumbled upon mislabeled treasure? And Steve, is your oil rig the best one yet, or have you outdone it? Keep up the good work. Looking forward to the next podcast. Thanks from Kev in Alaska. Well, thank you for writing in, Kev. We always enjoy getting some fan mail, especially glowing ones like this, that also points us in the direction of a great topic. Booyah. So, Paul, 
Do you have any stories to toss into the flames? I'm so glad that I get to go first because, you know, it <laughs> wouldn't be that exciting if it was the last one. Um, okay, so I always search stuff like this on the internet uh, and not necessarily eBay, but local sellers. Uh, and I've also sort of been tr uh, trolling Facebook Marketplace. And something I normally like to, to put into bid or buy uh, when I'm on there is GI Joe, then GI Joe, or GI Space Joe, then G.I you know, Space Joe, and, and see what comes out. But then I also like to put in so Army Man Toys. <laughs> right. Well, and and has, has your uh, attention to detail and misspelling uh, yielded any good results, my friend? It did. It did, ah. actually. Yeah, I typed in Army Man Toys, and I found, of all characters, I, find, I found a Salvo um, that was being sold by some antique shop in Pretoria on Buddlebuy. And there was also a, a quite a healthy bag of accessories that included things like um, Scoop's camera, no, Scoop's backpack, um, and Rock and Roll's, uh, those big guns that he has, uh, those two big machine guns that uh, Rock and Roll version 2 has, uh, as well as uh, some of the gear for that Salvo that was like sort of put aside. And then one or two other little trinkets uh, that I can't quite remember now, but there were one or two interesting guns in there. And it was all going for quite a steal. The the accessories were going for like I think it was fifteen rand. That's one five, ladies and that's gentlemen. That's a dollar. That's a dollar. And um, Salvo himself was a whole forty rand. <laughs> the actual the shipping was more expensive than that's two dollars. Yeah. <laughs> so that was mine. I mean, she didn't even have the name for it. It was just beige army man, bold <laughs> army man, and. It was, oddly enough, uh, because on the picture he had his mine launcher, that like landmine dispensing thing that he has, so that came with him. But then all of his other gear was in that um, what do you call it, uh, secondary little bag. So I managed to grab Salvo out of steel because, to be fair, not my favorite character in the whole world, um, but cool accessories nonetheless. So hey, <laughs> cool, there we go, 50 bucks. Uh, actually, it ended up being like 80 bucks uh, with shipping, and that was my little score. And I don't know if this is worth mentioning, um, if this sort of falls in the right category. So I'm going to give it a little bit of air, so you can edit it out easily. But mm. OLX, which is also a buy-sell trade platform in South Africa, had just started. And of course, I was curious, and I also put in the same meticulous... GI, G.I, blah, 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 search. And I stumbled upon a collection of about 30 GI Joes. Um, and it was Ooh. mixed with, it was some figures from the Robotech toy line. I specifically say the Robotech toy line because it was the Matchbox Robotech figures. And they all had, everybody had their accessories. And it was going for a steal. It was 2,000 Rand. Now, to put that in perspective, that is about $130 now, $140 now, more or less. Mm -hmm. And we're talking 1984 Storm Shadow, 1985 Snake Eyes. We're talking, um, who else was in there? Hardball, a complete hardball. We're talking complete Voltar. <laughs> He's in esteemed it, company there. Uh, you had to go with hardball. Hardball. Just, uh, there were so many great toys. I mean, that thing just hit all the right lights for me. And that was just a guy that was like, G.I. Joe collection for sale. He, I don't know if he knew what he had, or at least he had an idea of what he had because he put it up 
all up for 2000 but that's a collection i think could have easily sold for about at least five grand or at least six grand because everything in there was complete Bl uh, blizzard um was in there scoop uh no i lied not scoop um, did you scoop it up paul i what did i'm dying I to did. know I did. I had to hold up tension. You know, if you tell stories like this, you know, you have to get everybody leaning in. Yes, I Oof. did. And it was one of the best uh, G.I. Joe purchases I've ever made in my life. It, uh, it it was a huge injection into my vintage collection. It finally well, it kind of, it got, you, it got you off the starting blocks, didn't it? It's in a big way. As in I a recall. big way. Yeah. Mm. And it also, it was the end of a very long life quest of trying to get my hands on that Snake Eyes, that particular Snake Eyes, which I now thankfully have. And, um, well, because of that. And yeah, so I managed to get one of my biggest Holy Grail items of my childhood in that set. So yeah, so that was, that was mine. <laughs> I don't know if it's a mistake or if it accidentally listed, but. Dude, that's, that definitely fits the topic. Absolutely. Uh, just to clarify, in case anyone was wondering about what Fisher-Price plane Kev had, had bought. It was the Daredevil sports plane, I believe it's called. Uh, the orange one with a V-tail and a single occupant cockpit, open top cockpit. I had that toy as a hand-me-down from my big brother and I loved it so much. I used to stick with Bluetech uh, accessories to the front <laughs> end to make it like a World War I uh, monoplane. You know, with a machine gun mounted just behind the, the propeller and obviously the interrupter gear to stop it from shooting the props off. Um, so, man, I, I love that plane a lot. It got a lot of play from me. I, I think seem to remember Toxo Viper being the pilot for it in my playtimes. Oh. This is like early, early doors for, for little Stevie J. I have various stories to regale you, some of them not my own. So I'm going to keep the names uh, um, classified. But something that uh, more than one friend has approached me and told me is sometimes sellers foul up and send very nice items incorrectly. And then they just claim the insurance and tell you to shh, 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 just keep it quiet, which the dark side. I, I know, I know, but it happens, man. We're all human. And if eBay, that's that's what buyer protection is there for ebay paypal you know if it does mess up and you send an expensive bag of goodies that was destined to one guy and went to you instead particularly if you're dealing with international shipping and the ball lake of then like reshipping it at great cost sometimes sellers are like no it's okay don't worry the buyer's been sorted out by buyer protection um so congratulations you've just inherited a bag of gold head steel brigades <laughs> something like that you know hilarious but uh, it happens it happens um that doesn't quite fit the, the topic I, if i'm honest with myself but i had to kind of make mention of it i'm going to play a little game i'm going to tell five stories and only four of them are true it's going to be up to paul and our esteemed guests to pick out the fact from the fiction. Uh oh. <laughs> First one I received a pair of Cobra Mambas and a 1984 scrap iron was included, in addition to two Gyro Vipers, 
uh, scrap iron was in one of the cockpits. Second story, I bought a Tomahawk with lift ticket and it specified no mic, but the mic was included. I bought a Hawk 1986. It had the incorrect pistol. It was actually Keel Hall's gun. And lastly, I bought a whale that once again specified no driver, but cutter was included. So we've got scrap iron with a pair of mambas. We've got the tomahawk with lift ticket and the mic. We've got keel hawk, <laughs> keel hall with hawk's pistol. And we've got cutter uh, being included in a, a whale that was complete, but without driver. So which three are fact and which is a lie? Hmm. What do you say, Paul? Well, um, I know it's easier for me to like list out the uh, the, the the false stories, but I think, if I'm not mistaken, uh, I think the the tomahawk with lift ticket. Uh, I think without the mic, I think that one might be the mm, the false one. Hmm. Hmm. I seem to yeah, I seem to remember your tomahawk being a different story for some reason. But okay. um, well, that's yeah. that's Paul's weighing in. Uh, Andrew says that the hawk story is true, so the hawk coming with Keelhaw's pistol is true. Very good. Matthew says that it's the Mumba story that's fake. That my Mumba did not include a bonus scrap iron. Ryan says that the scrap iron story is false. <laughs> that the tomahawk Mike story is false. That the Keelhaw pistol being included with Hawk is true and that cutter being included with the whale is true. Ah, he then specifies that the tomahawk that you bought is in box. So the mumba story is fake. All right. Time to put everyone out of their misery and Ryan, I'll, I'll start with you, my friend. Yes, I do have a mint in box tomahawk. No, I've never opened it. So I cannot confirm if it includes a lift ticket, a mic, or if it in fact is just a bunch of pulverizer parts stuffed into a box and resealed. <laughs> I've never taken a peek. Um, so actually that story is true. I was shopped a Tomahawk with lift ticket and no mic, but in the old end, the mic was included. I don't know if that was a mistake or the seller was just feeling generous, but I am over the moon happy to have that very, very difficult to find piece. Nice. Scrap iron included with a pair of mumbers. Yes, this is true. That I know is true. Yeah. 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 Uh, Rob and I invested in a, a pair of Cobra mumbers and uh, inexplicably, scrap iron was there. It also included his accessory pack um, missile launcher. Uh, I think that's, if I'm not mistaken, that's the red one with the blue missiles which was a um, wonderful bonus, yeah. I suppose, in the time where sellers just out of the goodness of their heart tossed a few extras into the box. Great stuff. This was one of our earliest, earliest purchases, in fact. In fact, it was the first time we bought a GI Joe vehicle through the internets. Yeah, because you and Rob both got Mombas. Yeah, I remember that. Uh, I remember the story, the yeah. story about Cutter being included with the whale is one that, Paul, you should know, buddy. This I, was our... 
our first very anonymous dealing with Dan from Quality Joe's, who, yes, sold the, the whale hovercraft as 100% complete. But when I asked him, does it include Cutter? He said, no. And I didn't know him personally at the time, but he is a very, very stand-up guy. And when I, I think I must have been guilty of bullying him. Uh, in hindsight, I think I definitely was guilty of bullying him saying like, well, you said it was complete. And from where I stand, complete means comes with the driver. Yeah. But I suppose in this, in this post-modern era G.I. Joe world where a lot of people buy a vehicle and toss the O-ringer aside to put modern figures on it, it is becoming more acceptable to, to call a vehicle complete even if it doesn't have its, its included driver. You know, the driver is separate. You got you to buy the driver separate. Anyways, Dan, being the stand-up guy that he is, caved and tossed a very, very nice cutter in the box. And may I just say that he's gone on to be a great friend of the channel and personally. And anyone looking for a very well-curated G.I. Joe store with very reasonable prices, check out Quality Joe's on eBay. Big time. And yeah, that I just leaves us with one final option. Yeah. Or my rhino, yeah. Oh, you got a rhino from quality? Yeah, from that, uh, from that sale. It was uh, your mamba and my rhino came together. Your night rhino. Your, uh, rhino. your yeah. black warthog. My black warthog. <laughs> yes. Pardon me. And I'm sorry that I, I, I forgot about that because I also know that your first uh, whale is actually Rob's. And I remember that your story about that was... I couldn't remember That's if that was the one that came with um, Cutter. Or it's too late, Paul. It's too late. Yeah. It's too late. Right. You're wrong. Right. You're wrong. You should know better. You know all of these stories, <laughs> my friend. <laughs> uh, mind like a serve. And that leaves us, unfortunately, with the last option, which is, I suppose it's a lie, but it's colored with a bit of truth. I did get the incorrect pistol with Hawk, but instead of it being the very rare keelhole pistol, it was unfortunately the very common lifeline pistol. Both silver, both pistols, but boy, would I have been bum in the butter if I had been mistakenly given a keelhaul pistol. Because, mm. yeah, that, that accessory will probably elude me to my dying day. Um, they, they, they do not go cheap. And it's ridiculous, but yeah, I hear you. Just a quick rundown of other potential stories. Um, there was a year where I definitely had the Desert Fox in my sights, and there were two uh, on eBay at the time uh, that I was keen on. But it was Christmas, and I was obviously buying gifts for other people, and I had gifted myself the G.I. Joe HQ. So I kind of took my foot off the gas and was like, ah, it's okay. I'll, I'll get them another time. But I, I still kept my eye on those listings. And... I saw they had been bought or, or the, the, I think the auctions had closed and someone had gotten them. Um, good on them. I remember the one Desert Hawk came with a bonus Flint figure. Lovely little incentive there. Lo and behold, Christmas Day rolls around and my good buddy Rob, what does he give me? A Desert Fox. Oh, Not just one Desert Fox. Two but desert boxes. <laughs> hey. And I was hey. like, well, this is, this is very conspicuous. There were two on sale or on auction at exactly that point, And two have been gifted me on Christmas Day. This is wonderful. I recognized them from the listings, from the photographs. But I saw, hmm, no flint. So hey. And, and guess who got a flint for Christmas that year? <laughs> <laughs> 
Rob got his first 1985 Flint figure and, and I couldn't be more happy because to be honest, I'm not a Flint guy. I, I know this about myself now. I, I'm sorry, Dave Cabal. It seems I have created a rift between us now. But in my eyes, Flint is like, he's a bit of a poser, isn't he? He's a bit of a stuffed shirt. He's this perfect hair, perfect smile, Dudley Do-Right, who uh, exists to almost be put in his place sometimes. You'll notice that it's a little bit of a trend in Flint characterizations that he's kind of like a bit of a foil to Lady J. Yeah, I didn't want to say it. I didn't want to say it, but but there's definitely a streak of that there, which you either like or, or, or dislike. Like, he is a, a Han Solo in a sense, but... Yeah. At the same time, he, he's got that that Boy Scout that you either love or hate. I, I don't know. Anyways, that's another conversation for now. <laughs> he wears sweater vests. Who does that? True, true, true. And he's often getting a few jabs. But mm-hmm. once again, we, we want to save all this material for a, 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 a nice flint chewing out session. Um, as recently as last year, I, uh, I had two fun things happen. One, Tiger Force Outback, I, I traded for a, a, a 2000s law, and the guy was perfectly happy with that, which is wonderful. Uh, hmm. uh, but I felt like I really, really won because that is a sought-after figure, and to get it for you know without even money trading hands, um, that's that's terrific for me. It even included the the, the lamp still attached to his leg come on and uh last year i got a maggot opened the engine cover and lo and behold a 1985 snake eyes uzi and oh, cool. my, buddy, my buddy robert kalupitan who i was with at the time in the philippines he was like i don't have that accessory i was like my friend it was written in the stars you do now yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> wonderful oh that's so great oh it is good and speaking about rob lemmer if you're out there and you're listening to this happy birthday for last week buddy you're in yeah it it was tuesday hey it was indeed many happy returns oh robbo shall we shift the focus my brother it's time it's time to talk This was suggested to us by Chris over on YouTube, who has a extremely detailed fan fiction involving Budo, involving Jinx, involving their offspring. Buddy, you got to lead the charge on this one because I know very little about Samurai. I just started watching a Netflix um, sort of reenactment documentary. Oh, it's very cool, hey? It's great. It's wonderful. It's a period of... Japanese feudal history. Hey, man, I'm, I'm a history buff of very, very specific instances in history, but there's a lot of history in this world, my friends. So oh, the samurai yeah. slipped through the net until now. But I guess we want to probe deeply into finding the Budo fans out there mm. and what it is about this guy that is so alluring. I know he's a standalone specialty and, and figure, but... Whereas the ninjas of the line have kind of updated and integrated themselves into working in a military fantasy, I still can't, I can't cross the bridge of a samurai warrior, a heavily armored warrior 
finding mm. a place in the sci fantasy world of G.I. Joe. Help mm. me, brother. Help me. So I, I'm a Buddha fan, which is cool. So I can talk him up in, in a lot of good ways. Um, I first, I just want to start with the toy quickly. I think Budo is actually an outstanding toy and he's very, very interesting in the way that he's done. And I'm of course referring to the vintage one right now, because I think that they slimmed, they slimmed down a lot of stuff. Um, they, they could have, I mean, at the time they couldn't have given him a full samurai armor, um, to wear, but he has got his Kabuto, his helmet, which is great. And which doesn't have a face mask, which, you know, for me is a little bit of a sad thing. Um, so yeah, so I just wanted to just speak of that. Like, he's a great toy. And it's interesting because he's got a lot of really uh, cool, useful accessories. And then he's just got one accessory that is very cool to have on him, but not actually a useful accessory. And I'm talking about the sword that is still in the sheath. Okay, coming back to how how do we make... And, and uh, as a stickler for detail, Paul, does it irk you that the, sh the, the, the sheathed sword is facing the wrong way? Yeah, a little. And also that it's on his right-hand side when it... Uh, when, Typically, most samurai are right-handed, so it should be on his left. So, yeah. Easy mistake to make, and I'd say hmm, maybe maybe it was a, a case of like, yeah, but kids don't know that. And kids are going to yeah. think it's weird that he sheaths on the left. Like, they're going to think he's left-handed. Let's not mislead. Let's kind of lean into it just being a simplified look. Um, yeah. That, and also, I mean, if you think about it, I mean, it is upside down. And traditionally, like, you do wear it that way because you turn it before you draw your sword. You know, you 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 grab the, the cyber and you, yeah, you turn the sword before you draw it. You don't, you know, you don't carry it the right way around to draw it out. It's weird, but if you, you have to essentially carry it upside down so the sword stays in there. And when you're going to go into combat or you, or if you're going to draw the sword, then you want to pull it up um, correctly, and then it's ready to be drawn from a sheath. So, yes, and it also gives you a, a cross-slash action yes. immediately on drawing it. There's, yes. you, know, you have an offensive move the second you unsheath it, right? Is yes. That, is that, is that yeah. yeah, because that, and then that's also relates to a, a technique or a, a style of swordsmanship in Japanese swordsmanship called EI. Um, or Yaido, and that is essentially drawing from the sheath, striking from the sheath immediately. And there's like a whole culture behind that because it's not just it's not just um, about sort of getting the upper hand. It's, it's got a lot to do about uh, with um, not being hesitant, with uh, releasing hesitation, and and being very sure of what you're going to do. Because essentially, I'm glad you took first crack at that word because yes, that is Budo's specialization. That is his his his. The, the strictest line of his training and that yeah. is the art of yado yado yeah yado. So, okay and interestingly enough uh the man who wrote his file card is also um a student of yado um larry homer as well dropping the knowledge bombs and Boom. to my recollection the second only the second time poetry is used or actual pro, you know, poetry form poetry. is is used in uh, in a GI Joe file card. Yeah, the first. I is wonder, when, if I'm not mistaken. Sorry, did I Major do that? Black, yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Slap a other clip in your Uzi. <laughs> um, <laughs> Sydney, Australia. Um, but yeah, it's it's fascinating. I, I'd be interested to know if there is a an artful Japanese translation to the. Uh, the haiku that stands on Budo's file card. 
So any would... linguists out there, that'd be, that'd be really cool to get the actual characters. So what's interesting, okay, so I'm going to get into that in a second because that can actually get quite nebulous. But with Budo, uh, and now because we're talking about EI and EIDO, I think that's where his first, in my opinion, his first um, specialty comes from. Um, because, yeah, he's a samurai, and I feel like in a lot of ways he's sort of misplaced in 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 the army i mean yes he's if he's gone through military training and whatever yes he's great he's an infantryman all those good things um and if he feels inclined to be super eccentric and wear his um his samurai armor into battle then so be it i mean never mind the fact that on average samurai armor weighs anything from eight to 20 kilograms um i don't that's a lot of pounds um you know it's it's a thing i mean you have to be pretty intense to do something like that so i'm not big on that but i'm big on the fact that as an as an instructor within something like gi joe he can actually teach a lot he, there's a lot to be learned and a lot to be taken from the sort of concepts of budo or bushido um as it were because there's a lot of um you know the the, the bushido the, the whole code there it's interesting because it's supposed to be quite it's not hard and fast. It's not like some code that's like hard and written in stone and like the Ten Commandments, which we, you know, like, which is supposed to like sort of stick to. It's kind of like these are suggested ways of living and you need to adapt those into your personality and into who you are. And I think that is fundamentally what it, it speaks of G.I. Joe because all the Joes are essentially good guys. They're all doing the good, the right thing, but the right thing is different for everybody in their minds as well. But they still come from the same foundation. So I think so having hand-to-hand -hand combat instruction, you're not only getting physical instruction, but philosophical as well. Philosophical, is that what you're yeah. yeah, it's a philosophical. It to me that, that the greatest asset, perhaps, that Budo can have is he finally gives Snake Eyes a sword sparring partner of equal size and weight. I mean, sure, Snake Eyes could go and, and you know, beat up Jinx, <laughs> you know, have a, have, have a bit of sword play with Jinx. But I think, I think Buddha would actually teach snakes something, whereas snakes kind of diversifies and, and uses a variety of weapons. If he wants to specifically work on his sword, so, I don't know, sword technique, Buddha is probably the guy he goes to. Definitely, definitely, because there's poetry in, in sword play. And, you know, even though... Uh, as a, I mean, traditionally, uh, the whole concept of ninja and samurai are like split uh, because there's this, um, well, very rightfully so, the whole point of having ninja, at least in the old days, was that you had guys that weren't stuck to an honor code so that you could use them for infiltration and for sort of underhanded tactics, whereas samurai had to be very above the line in, in how they did things. I mean, well, they were a warrior class and they were born yeah. into it. They weren't meant to integrate into society any other way. Exactly. They weren't going to be fishermen or farmers or keep up some kind of cover story. They were the guys you called when you wanted to invade another clan's territory. Exactly um, that. You've gone some way to explain Budo's place in a modern military fantasy, but in a support role. And certainly, like Harmers posited him as as the guy who runs the 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 dojo in I think San Francisco. Like Budo's mm. always cleaning the damn floor. Like <laughs> that yeah. dojo is spotless. Uh, I'm talking specifically about the the modern IDW GI Joe run. Um, 
so, so once again, again, hasn't hasn't really leaned into Budo's combat uh, place. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, his his introduction in that I think it was weeding out or whatever that the issue where uh, Cobra attacks a GI Joe training camp and it's Lightfoot and Repeater and Budo who repel the attack. But it's actually Destro. Ha 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 ha. Uh, anyways, that was probably Budo's biggest action appearance. Uh, we can all kind of conjure up images of him slashing enemy personnel, bisecting them, in fact, running around <laughs> in the woods, um, which is wonderful, which is exactly how he should be uh, thought of, uh, yeah. even if it's not, not the most practical. But I tell you the continuity that really made him shine as a, an operator as a deep cover yeah. guy, and that's Devil's Due. You yeah. own that comic, and I recently read it myself, the special missions Tokyo, where he does indeed have a relationship with Jinx, and they operate some kind of bounty hunter firm in Tokyo. Mm. And yeah, which was actually quite fun and interesting because I remember when I picked up that issue so many moons ago when it came out, um, I was surprised. I was like, at first I was like, oh, this is what's happened to Budo because my uh, i wasn't reading classic stuff so much then um and i liked what they had done with him it was it was interesting it was like okay he's another intelligence agent and also i mean what were the early 2000s i mean we had all of these like we had alias was coming out the the tv series i think was still going then and there were all kinds of spy things happening here and there so that this sort of just fitted in very well with the milieu of what was popular at that time yeah, why not make him a spy? Why not make him a bounty hunter or whatever it is? And and having his thing, you know, having that as his shtick, you know. But there was a point I wanted to bring up. There's a game called Ghost of Tsushima that's recently come out on PlayStation. And it's really, really awesome for those of you guys that have a PlayStation. This is definitely a title I recommend you pick up because you play as a samurai, but you play as a samurai who's had to bend um, his code so to speak. He's had to bend on his foundation. He's had to change. He's had to change his tactics to be more somewhat ninja-like um, in order to defeat um, the invading Mongols uh, that are attacking the island of uh, Tsushima. And I like looking at Budo as that kind of character, this character that is a samurai, but then learns how to ha still be a samurai at heart, but learns how to be more almost ninja-like because he has to adapt with the time. So that's another way of looking at him as well, is he could also be, you know, a, a good uh, fighting member of, of the ninja force and acting as, you know, one of their kind of infiltration specialists. So that's also another. Oh, Clearly I'm an old curmudge because I have always declined to purchase Budo. And I love the 1988 slew of characters that are blank canvases you know they yeah. are what you make of them because they didn't get the support of the cartoon series and their time with the comic book was relatively brief before it was out with the old and in with the new um so you can take those characters in any number of directions yourself but of that slew of guys Buddha's the one that i've yet to pull the trigger on and he goes quite reasonably uh, with yeah. all his gear still to this day, but I just, I can't do it, man. And I don't know if this conversation has necessarily won me over. Well, I, I got to say that I'm so happy that in that initial purchase that I spoke about earlier, I had a Budo figure included because 
that was a toy I'd always wanted because for some reason I had his upper torso, like not his head, <laughs> not his arm, just his upper torso. I don't know how that found its way in my collection and my house as a child. And I always, I was always like, who is this connected to? This looks so interesting and ornate. Is this even a GI Joe? Is this not like one of David's like weird, interesting, cool Japanese figures from like some freaking anime or something that I don't know about. And it was just so great to be reconnected with the toy that I think that's where a lot of my affection stems from. The fact that there's just something so cool about his armor and so cool about the way he's, he's designed. Mm. Uh, in, in fact, his aesthetic is more appealing, I think, than what he is for me as a toy. But now that I have him, he has definitely grown to being way more interesting. You know, for me anyway. So Well, yeah, it's certainly fertile ground to kind of expand our knowledge and get an appreciation for this figure. So Chris, thank you so much for suggesting this topic without even realizing it. I mean, he was dropping this incredible fanfic in a YouTube comments thread. And I was like, dude, we've got to jump on this. We are, we're totally going to spotlight Budo in our next, in our next episode. So wait for <laughs> that. But uh, just to, to bring it back to a personal story, I just recalled that we had a fun school Budo uh, and Rob, just really took a liking to this guy. He was Rob's avatar. He was Rob's primary character for a good slew of games and an entire continuity. It wasn't a strict G.I. Joe continuity. It was, it was kind of stepping outside into a more fantasy Elseworlds type game style. And oh. <laughs> I think Samurai Jack, the <laughs> cartoon series, the sort of Gandhi Tartanovsky um, so animation, very cool still to mm -hmm. this day beautiful um that was playing a big role in motivating rob's love of this honorable character who doesn't use guns who is very quick nimble and you know moves with that kind of cartoon grace so in spite of it not being realistic it was just hell of a fun and i loved how much enjoyment he got from this character and and the style of play that it invited so, hey, man, I guess at the end of the day, whatever floats your boat, friends. Totally. Um, maybe, maybe, one, maybe it's going to go into my eBay searches right now. Uh, yeah, watch this space. There might be a new, new shit section devoted to the 1988 original. Well, there's, there's one thing I want to, just a little tidbit I want to add to Buddha that I just think is worth mentioning. He's got a very unique sigh because that is a type of sigh. Um, it's, it's a Sai that was used in Okinawa. It's an Okinawan Sai, uh, but it was used primarily by the police um, to detain, uh, to stop, you know, brigands. <laughs> but that Sai is actually super useful. And I know a guy here locally in South Africa, um, he teaches that Sai, he specifically that style of Sai. Um, he, all the forms and, the, and your technique and the applications for it. And it's really effective actually. And it would go on to inspire some of the police baton techniques, which uh, they took on more of a look of a tonfa, but a lot of that initial stuff came from that side design. So it's cool Is that Buddha got it. The prong that bends towards the knuckles, I yeah. assume is for protection, but is there a, a an offensive purpose to that? I mean, would you use yes. that to grasp a weapon? Yeah, actually it's to grasp limbs. Believe it or not, yes, you oh. can. It the side 
in a lot of ways, a sai is an anti-sword weapon. The whole purpose mm -hmm. of a sai is it's supposed to, not the whole purpose, one of the main purposes of a sai is it's supposed to help you counter things like spears and, and swords. Um, I know that if people like use their imagination a little bit, they're like, wow, you must be really good to use it. And that's actually martial arts. Um, a martial artist will train at no end to get this right so that they are effective with it. Cause it's not effective in the hands of like, it's not like when you have a sign in your hand, you can magically going to be able to block a sword, but it be is going, <laughs> yeah, exactly. But it is going to make uh, somebody with a sword or a ranged weapon apply their attacks to you differently, you know? But it's actually a lot of a lot of that is actually to arrest limbs. It's to actually, you know, you've caught somebody like maybe they're trying to punch you or whatever. You're shoving this thing in their face and then you'll grab like the wrist with it and you'll sort of like hook it. And that's very difficult, you know, and, and you do it in such a way. And that's metal. That's like, you know, there's no give um, because that person's like now been caught with it. And. The way you twist it is that they actually can't slip out of it by just turning their well they can slip out of it by just turning their hand but because it's tension and there's panic or whatever they don't think that way so now that you've got them you can also now pu uh, push that towards the chest or towards the throat and now you've got a guy whose wrist is stuck in there and he's got a sharp pointy thing at his throat and he's like okay officer i'll go with you <laughs> kind of thing it's a very <laughs> yeah so it's a very cool weapon and i think it speaks to the fact that Budo is also in a weird way a policeman. You know, like think I think that was sort of some of the the theory behind that. And I wouldn't be surprised if Larry Harmer had some say on the design of this character, at least to a point. Because um a maybe, lot of look, maybe maybe the design, but but more so the concept. It's like Well, you 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 haven't done the samurai yet. What about a guy yeah. that practices Yado? I wonder if this guy's, I mean, as we know with Larry Harmer, a lot of the Joes are based on people he was either friends with or knew. Um, mm. And I'm surprised that this guy's based on one of the students or maybe a teacher that he had um, in his training. I would Which argue that if that was the case, I would argue that if that was the case, Budo would have had a little bit more time to shine. I think maybe Larry didn't know what to do with him. I, I don't know. This is all conjecture, but like... Budo has been left in the dust up until very recently. And even recently, he's just the guy that runs the dojo that is a front for a G.I. Joe base in San Fran. Like, yeah. And also, as a teacher, he shouldn't be cleaning the floors. It's just... It's the oh, no, no. He's, uh, he's, he's, got, he's got some disciples. Like, the second uh, you come into his dojo, it's shoes off and mop the mat. Yeah, that's how it works. You clean your, On your... the topic of 1988's slew of characters, I just have to uh, throw some some reference and throw some props to SEO Toy Review. Kevin, you do the Lord's work, my friend. Um, he has a terrific uh, poll on the G.I. Joe 1982 to 1994 um, Facebook group and has been announcing the results year by year. Uh, and he's just done, as of last week, the 1988 year. Presumably 1989 is next, of course. Um, but out of 88, who's number one, baby? Who's number one? What, uh, Budo? <laughs> <laughs> I'll give you a hint. It's one of our avatars. Oh! Yeah, of course he picked the best figure ever made. Storm Shadow. So. incorrect and he didn't pick damn thing he conducted a poll as i said so the, 
the fan base has selected Shockwave as the best figure of 1988. Do you disagree? Let us no. know in the comments down below. Uh, so I thought you were asking me. I feel so unspecial <laughs> sometimes. <laughs> okay, Paul. Okay, Paul. You can preempt the comments. What do you say, pal? I I think I I, I like the sucks, but like he kind of is. <laughs> He's got great gear. He fits nicely within um like with it, he fits very well in the sort of G.I. Joe aesthetic and real realism aesthetic, you know, which I know is a win for a lot of people. He ticks a lot of boxes. He's got great guns. He's got, yeah, he's cool. And that knife, dude. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Still don't have one. Damn. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I think, I've, I think I've got a repurposed Astro Viper Star Brigade knife that I painted black. <laughs> Little did I know that the actual accessory is silver. Like, I lost that early doors. My childhood shockwave and I were playing in the municipal dump. I swear, like, I, I had a wild childhood, man. I am going to actually look, because I believe um, in that weird little mislabeled purchase that I spoke about earlier today, I think there was actually a, a shockwave knife in there. Because there was definitely a battery boy. And yeah, so I'll go and check in my parts box later after the recording. Okay, but in case anyone has been wondering, uh, you can check out the video. In fact, check out the entire video series. Uh, Kevin and his pal do a rundown and they weigh in with their opinions, but they keep the videos down to around 15 minutes, which is wonderful. Perfect length for a G.I. Joe burst on, on the, the interwebs. But uh, on in number 10 position, we had Night Force Tunnel Rat. Number nine is Spearhead and Max. Uh -huh. Number eight is Repeater. Number seven is Blizzard. Number six, Hydra Viper. Number five is uh, Road Pig. Number four is the Iron Grenadier. Number three is your boy Storm Shadow V2. Number two is Hit and Run. And the trump card, ladies and gentlemen. It's all about Jason Faria, a.k.a. Shockwave. Well, I can totally agree with the top three there. Those are fantastic toys. Mm -hmm. And Repeater should be up higher on that list, I feel. He's, a, he's actually... I think Repeater is a little bit of a hidden gem, personally. Okay. Mm. Yeah, he's great. But in order to take the top spot, you've got to be something truly special. Like Shockwave. <laughs> Shall we close out with a little peep at our letters page? We've already taken a few responses, but uh, just for the sake of completeness, yeah, shout out to my man, Sergeant Slaughter's Slaughterhouse, who says on the His Tank review and unboxing, great review. The His has the benefit of being a quiet tank, as I expect many hungover fathers on Christmas Day took the mobility of the Mobat out of the equation. Bye-bye, battery. It does definitely uh, accurately reproduce the sounds of a battle tank. Well, at least a battle tank at a very small scale with the, you know, the pitch ramped up. Do you remember? Uh, yeah. yeah? No, you, do you remember you the airport? Uh, in the airport when you had the Mauler going? And it also has that... Sound and people just oh, it's like even louder, it. isn't it? It's yeah. louder because it's got like a, a high, high gear mode. Oh, I love it. <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> Carry on. Yeah, sorry, man. 
Tetsuo's Wrath on Cobra Don't Surf, a uh, short play motion featuring Jinx and the Manta Windsurfer. Uh, he says that, and then Mindbender pitches the Surf Viper idea he's been working on to Cobra Commander. Yeah, man. I mean, the 90s really opened the floodgates on extreme sport Cobra and Joe personnel. But let's not lose sight of the fact that as early as 1984, we had a windsurfer, a weaponized windsurfer. What you got, Cobra? What you got? Cobra don't surf. Cobra don't surf, bro. Hey, man, if I had a rock and roll, he'd have been riding the Manta. But uh, I must say that Tiger Force Jinx looks terrific. I'm, sh right. I'm sure we can agree. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and also on Cobra Don't Surf, Byron, aka Joe Motion Videos 82, says that the Lamprey taking a Wii is pure gold. Oh, it kills <laughs> <laughs> That is, yes, dude, I actually had to pause because I was laughing. I, I laughed my ass off. I think I actually sent you a message the second I saw that. I was like, this is so great. <laughs> there may or may not be a director's cut version lying around where I shot an actual frame of of me taking a piss. Okay, don't worry, don't worry. I don't I don't tilt the camera to you know my enormous piece of manhood. Cobra. <laughs> yeah, there you go, my lamprey. Uh, but you know, that that just was overcooking the joke perhaps a little too much. But yeah, no. bro, cobra personnel need to stop the vehicle and take a piss too. Yeah, and he's lucky he can, you know, with those silver pens. Precisely. <laughs> but he's unlucky in a number of regards. I mean, fortunately for Jinx, uh, that lamprey requisitioned the hovercraft that had a broken antenna. So mm. he couldn't call it any backup. I mean, it's, it's pretty brazen to do a daylight raid on Cobra Island. I guess she was really hoping to be so low tech she would go unnoticed. It's also impressive how, how you make that a cool vehicle somehow. Oh, I think, bro. Windsurfers are awesome. No, not the windsurfer. That thing is cool. I'm talking about the, the Cobra hovercraft. Hover yeah, good robot hovercraft. I think a lot of people saw that vehicle for the first time. Like, I think you definitely put the beer goggles on that one for a lot of people, actually. Ted Terranova of Action Robot Punch said as much. He was like, I have never seen that vehicle before. I'm like... You're welcome. <laughs> the The price of Battlefield robots just swelled ever so slightly. Maybe a couple of cents on the dollar. Ha, ha, ha. And I think that's it. Hey? Yeah. Hey. And it's just my little announcement. I've got two. I just want to do a shout out um, to our, well, two new patrons who have joined Bergforce. Um, and they are none other than Dustin Cordish. And a gentleman by the name of David Dushun. Um, I hope I'm pronouncing your surname correctly there. So welcome to Bergforce, dudes. Um, mm -hmm. I hope that you are enjoying the uh, the sort of early con uh, content. And I'm looking forward to seeing you guys on the uh, in the audience for the recordings. And yeah, just thank you for the support. Really, really appreciate it. You guys are helping us do something really awesome here. And, um, and it's by extension, I just want to do a shout out to Dustin Cordish. He posted something so cool on our uh, Facebook group. It's the Croc Master on the um, rope climber. Um, actually, uh, with motorized croc. With, with the croc. croc. <laughs> and his caption is like, not going to lie. If an enemy came at me like this, I'd just go home. <laughs> and, then... <laughs> and it's not like it's his, his toy photography, which is excellent, by the way. 
But this is an actual catalog shot. This is how they sold the Cobra rope walker or rope climber, rope crosser, whatever it is. They had Crocmaster, not only Crocmaster underslung on that basket, but his crocodile too. Damn. (laughs) Comment is like, what's that man doing to that poor alligator? And Dustin Cordish's response was, he's mastering it. If you would like to write into the show, by all means, do so. You can contact us via sort of long form email uh, with a real South African hero at gmail.com. But please know that anything on a YouTube comment is fair game and maybe read out on the show (laughs) and dissected at length. You can, in fact, and I, I, I wonder who's going to be the first person to bust this one, you can include a MP3. If you'd like to record a voice note and get your voice on the show, email it to us at a real South African hero at gmail.com. I'd like to say keep it around 30 seconds. That'd be, that'd be awesome and help us out a lot. Uh, otherwise, I'd have to maybe do a little bit of editing. And we wouldn't want to edit your thoughts, would we? We want them straight from the horse's mouth. So uh, as I say, I'm curious to see who might be the first person to give that a try. But we love to hear from you guys. And that is terrific. This community is awesome. I am very much in love with with the people that tune into this show. So I'm sending you all a big digital kiss. (laughs) Cool, Uh, guys. He's a... immediately shot back with a, a great great comment indeed go fuck yourself <laughs> <laughs> all jokes my man bought buddy i'm glad i know you personally because otherwise i don't know you, you might just take that one personally <laughs> might <laughs> and then once and then ladies and gentlemen once we managed to convince steven to buy um a vintage budo we can move on to getting him to buy the modern era one because why not? I like a good challenge. <laughs> I'm surprised you didn't talk about that excellent piece of toy history. Dude, that is a beautiful toy. And I actually want to save that. I actually want to save that for another episode because it's it's stunning. And I don't think it, I, I think it deserves more than just being a mere mention in, a, in an episode. The episode entitled Toys So Good, You Only Ever Want to Photograph Them. Yeah. <laughs> actually, yeah. Episode yeah. 188 of G.I. Joburg. But right now, we're going to close the chapter on F- episode 187. Thank you very much to our live studio audience for joining us. And to everyone out there, you've already gotten a kiss. So what are you waiting around for? Do you want more? I don't know how my wife would feel about that. <laughs> no, let's Yo, Joe, <laughs> Yo, Joe, everybody. And a, and a big uh, Berg. And for our live studio audience, thank you so much, guys. I'm going to add you guys to the stream just for a quick burg, if you guys want to. So, throw it. Yo, Joe Berg! Yay! There they are. Here I am. There's Bob. Cool. Sweet. And that's a wrap. <laughs>